0: Hi, Priscilla McKinney here, Mama Bird and CEO at Little Bird Marketing. I'm so excited to announce, finally, my book is out. Collaboration is the new competition. Why the future of work rewards a cross-pollinating hive mind and how not to get left behind. So what's the book about? (laughs) The impetus was really about a gap that I saw in the business vernacular about how we need to work together to get ahead and have much bigger wins. I think it's super important right now because there is a growing need for collaboration in the business world. And I made this book super practical. In fact, the chapters tell you how many minutes it's going to take for you to get through them. I know you're busy, but these kinds of ideas are going to, I hope, permeate into your thought process and help you get ahead quicker. The first part of the book is about what is the state of affairs in business and why I believe collaboration is really needed. And it also goes on to explain these are the fundamentals that need to happen so you can have collaboration. So once you set yourself up for the win, then It's not always smooth sailing. And I finished the last half of the book giving you seven different anchors that you can use as a practical tool in order to make sure you stay on course. So in a time when business has never been more complicated, this book offers a fresh and in my opinion, much needed perspective. It moves away from that idea of linear success and instead brings people together to give you a competitive advantage. Visit PriscillaMcKinney.com for more information. Hello and welcome to Ponderings from the Purse, the Little Bird Marketing Company podcast. I have with me an amazing guest. Full disclosure, she and I just got to spend some quality time out in Lake Tahoe. It did not stink. Let me tell you, our lives are not rough. (laughs) (laughs) And we got to really talk shop about what's going on in this industry. You are going to love hearing from her. I'm going to do a very good effort today to just ask the questions and let Eileen Campbell sing. So she's going to do a great (laughs) job today. You probably know Eileen Campbell if you've been in the insights industry in any way, shape, or form. She is the board chair of Rival Group, Inc. You may have known them as Reed Campbell Group, but they are the head of family of brands in this industry. And what a powerhouse. So she's seen it all. We've got a lot of experience. On the other hand, the biggest thing for me that makes this connection so inspirational and aspirational is that she is still at the cutting edge of what is going on in this industry To that point, she is on many boards, but also just on the side. This is such a great yes and from Eileen, and that is that she is the founder of Woman Tuition. She does consulting on the side. So definitely, as you have questions emerge and thoughts and inspirations during this conversation, make a note and go visit her on LinkedIn and connect with her. Start having some great shop talk conversations with her as I do. So Eileen, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much, Phyllis. It's great to see you. And by the way, well,
1: we, you don't want me to yeah. sing. I promise you, I will not <laughs> sing. <laughs> okay,
0: fair enough.
1: If I don't do a puppet show
0: during this podcast and you don't <laughs> sing, I think everybody is going to end All good. <laughs> well, just tell us a little bit about some of what you think are the highlights of what has happened in the industry. I know that's always a question that puts some people on the spot, but I think you're at a unique position to talk about some of the larger arcs in this industry because you see a lot of different P&Ls. And also you've seen some interesting hype come and go. And then you've seen some significant changes that needed to happen in this industry and you've seen them work positively. So I would like to start with maybe one of those difficult to answer. You can ramble if you want on this answer of where do you think the industry's been highlights, lowlights, and how do you kind of imagine it. How do you see the
1: industry? Yeah. Wow. That's a lot. We could talk forever on just that question. I would say I was basically born in this industry. I've been in the industry for a very long time. One of the most fundamental changes that I've seen is frankly changes in ownership structure. This was an industry that was largely founded by entrepreneurs. There were a lot of kind of mid small size companies. And then of course, we went through the big phase of consolidation, and companies growing through acquisition. Then we had public companies. Now the trend's sort of reversing to private companies that are owned by private equity. All of those things have had a big impact on kind of the commercial models of the business. So I think there's that side of it that have we've gone from family-owned kind of mom-and-pop shops to increasing professionalism to increasingly economically driven on the agency side of the world. But then just in the work we do, I'd say, you know, in the early days, we were a very ask and answer industry. And I mean that on a couple of levels. A client would ask us or tell us to do something and we would answer them with, here's a survey, here are the responses. So I think the industry went from sort of basically order takers to evolving to increasingly being important business partners. For lots of reasons, one insights departments are not enormous anymore. Insight departments were the training ground where everybody learned research. You went to Procter and Gamble, you went to Unilever, you went to Coca Cola. They trained you. The exact opposite of that is what happens now. Almost everybody starts out on the agency side of the world, and the agency world trains people who then go on to the client side. I think in some ways that's great because. Buyers now understand what life is like on the seller agency supplier side in a way they didn't when I first started in the business. So those are some of the kind of big commercial changes. Of course, there've been all kinds of a masochistic industry in some ways. We always think that we're not as good or as valuable or as important as we really are. Every decade, I could tell you what was the sky is falling thing that we were worried about. It was big data. It was CX. It was renaming what we do. But the truth is, it's an incredibly resilient sector. And I think if anything, we underestimate our value far more than clients underestimate our value. Those are some of the big beats
0: If there is one song that has been sung over the last couple of decades is that the consumers are more and more in the driver's seat. So no matter how that pans out, you need insights at a different level, constantly growing. And that is one thing that I think everybody will agree on. And I know as soon as I say that, somebody on my podcast is going to write in, I don't agree about that. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, one crazy person who's an
1: outlier. (laughs) Hey, I 100% agree with you. I think, again, it goes back to that ask and answer. In the old days, we asked the consumer very specific questions on a scale of one to 10, where one is blah, 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 blah. And we kept the rails really narrow. You know, Increasingly, we are having conversations with consumers. I say to people all the time, how ridiculous is it? Have you ever sat down at your dinner table and said to your husband or your kids, on a scale of one to 10, <laughs> where one is you don't love me at all. And 10 is you love me completely. Where would you rate our relationship today? Like, we don't talk like that. And yet we used to force ourselves into those kind of narrow conversations with consumers. And so I think that's changing a lot too. I think we're really trying to engage consumers in a much different way.
0: Well, it's funny you would even say that because I know there's about 100 people right now who are already like up in arms because they're like, we wouldn't use a 10 number scale anyway. And so I love what you're It's so the ridiculousness of it. And there are some things that have become almost a farce of asking maybe the wrong questions. It can be where we're asking the wrong questions. We're asking at the wrong time. We're asking in an interruptive way or something, or we're asking the wrong people. And there've been so many problems like that over the years. But you are in such a unique perspective with now consulting with so many insights firms and really helping shape the next level, the next era, I guess I would say, you and I got to sit in, fortunately enough, on a Pure Spectrum keynote speaker. And it was someone who was a futurist and the chief editor of Wired Magazine. And we were both sitting there in a lot of awe and also fascinated. But also, I feel like both you and I felt very vindicated and that we both have a very positive <laughs> view of this industry and what is yes. coming next as opposed to a doomsday approach. And so it was so lovely to have Pure Spectrum deliver a keynote that was showing just how positive and how wonderful this world can be, that we are making truly a new world for ourselves. Mm -hmm. So from your perspective, what do you see of like, how do you come together and amass these people who are wanting to have a very positive conversation about what's next? And what kinds of questions do you hear them asking, like fruitful questions that are really asking the hard and good questions?
1: Yeah, it's really interesting. First of all, I want to reiterate, I felt the exact same way you did. It was such a joy to listen to a futurist who is not a doomsayer. And I think it's a really tangible lesson for our industry. It's so easy to get caught up in the, oh, clients' budgets are cut, or we're going to have a recession, or whatever. And you know, The truth is, part of what's kept me in this business for so long is it's an incredibly resilient industry. And part of what makes it resilient is fundamentally at our core, what we do matters. The voice of the customer has never been more important. And I think in the past, some of our maybe more rigorous and traditional methods, while super valuable and we still need rigor, but we're slow and out of step with the pace of decision-making in the modern business world. I think we as an industry have absolutely embraced that. Wrapped our arms around the idea that what we deliver is even more valuable if we can do it on a timely basis. So I think we have adapted really, really well. If I think about the questions I get the most, obviously I spend a lot of time on the agency side. I do some brand work, but I spend a lot of time working with agencies. One of the things that I get asked about a lot is you hear clients talk a lot about the need for and the want to change, yet as an industry, we are really quite resistant to change. I heard somebody call it once that we're an industry full of false courage. We'd like to try new things, but I'm just not quite ready to jump out of that plane. One of the funniest ones I ever encountered was a client who invited me into a meeting and said, I want to do cool cutting edge stuff, but I need norms. It's like, well, yeah that is inherently in conflict. You are not doing normative work, you are doing breakthrough work. So I think some of it is how do we deliver to clients the confidence that what we're doing is rigorous and valid even if it looks a little different, feels a little different, sounds a little different. And some of that just comes down to building real trusted advisor relationships with the people you work with. You find that a client who might not accept an idea from a total stranger will more than happily embrace a new idea from a trusted advisor. So a lot of the work I do is around helping people figure out how do you develop those trusted advisor relationships. We're all under the challenge to drive revenue and to grow our businesses, but striking the right balance between not being that salesperson, we all know that salesperson, and not focusing enough on the relationship, not focusing enough on listening, closely, carefully, and hearing not only the client's business objectives, but kind of their hopes, their fears, their dreams. Every time a client chooses an agency partner, they are betting their career on our performance. And that's an awesome responsibility. Let's take a short break. Are you looking for
0: experts and tools to collect research data worldwide? Global sampling, field management, and data collection are just some of the services that Gazelle Global provides. Visit gazelleglobal.com to learn more about how our expertise can help you unearth quality data that drives meaningful insights. Get your research done anywhere around the world quickly and efficiently. Visit gazelleglobal.com today. You just dropped the mic on that. They are betting their career on our performance I have to say, I don't think I've ever thought of this industry that profoundly. I think that insight is super helpful. And I talk about it with my team all the time within our core values. One of them is finish strong, which would be if it's worth starting, it's worth completing. And I talk about that sometimes in the sense of, look, our clients gave us money. This is their money. Like it is. They worked hard uh, for that money. (laughs) They worked really hard. Like this is their kids' college fund. This is their employees' vacation fund, however you want to put it. But they are trusting us and their career, where it goes, really can be incredibly influenced by the people they get influenced by. And if we're those people, well, bringing influence along them, we better be super careful about that. But that just hit me in all the right ways when you said it that way, just that they are really entrusting us with something very deep. But I want to go back to what you said a little while ago, which really made me giggle, this idea about wanting to be a vanguard out there, but yet have all the norms. And it strikes me as that age old college experience where you want to be a nonconformist, but in a conforming kind of way, because you don't want to be weird. Yeah. <laughs> so. Exactly. You're very fortunate to get to work with a lot of companies who are really vanguarding what's going on in this industry. But I also want to give you a little bit of a chance to talk about one of your passion projects. You've also founded Women Tuition and been able to shape Really, I guess choose some of the work that you get to do in terms of some of the consulting that comes on the side. So, tell me about your thoughts on where you think women have gone in this industry and what we have to look forward to. And men, hang in there because you win when we're doing well, and we love you just as much. But you think that Eileen a great view on this and has a good way of bringing people together for a bigger win, a more collaborative win. So, what are your thoughts on that and why women tuition?
1: It's so interesting. If you think about our industry, for a very, very long time, women have played an incredibly prominent role. I'll tell you a story. When I first started in the business, I was what was called a service rep, which was basically we were the women behind the men. And we weren't allowed to sign our own name to a letter. You would sign the account exec, who was probably a 40 to 50-year-old guy. And in little, tiny, 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 print, you'd sign your initials on the letter that you wrote about the work that you were going to do. So God knows that we've come a long way. I've always been a huge advocate that blended teams with lots of different voices, whether that's gender, whether that's ethnicity, whether that's age, particularly in our industry are so important because we are trying to reflect the world's attitudes about our clients' business issues And so if we don't look like, sound like, feel like the people that we're trying to represent, inherently, there is no such thing as an unbiased world. We all bring our own biases to the table. So I think female voices are incredibly valuable. And in the same way, I think boomers shouldn't be subjugating the voice of Gen Z. We should be treating them as peers and equals in what we're hearing. So when it comes to women intuition, that frankly was my little like dabble do work with people I like, sort of a luxury of, I have a sort of a portfolio career at this juncture in my life. And it's a lot of fun because I never again have to work with somebody who I don't enjoy working with. So that's great, good fun. And I've worked on everything from work on the issue of sustainable development, which frankly had not much to do with anything that I've done in the past, but it's an area in which I'm deeply interested. And my research skills and advisory skills were useful to that. I'm an advisor to a company in the entertainment space because my other little sort of period in my career was I was the chief marketing officer at IMAX. So I've got, I spent five or six years in the entertainment industry and worked for clients in that space over the years. So with an intuition, is really about come talk to me about what your big business issues are, what your challenges are. Let me see what I can do to help. Yeah, I've also done a reasonable amount in the area of uh, mergers and acquisitions, just because that's something that in my days at Millward Brown, we were an acquisitive company. We bought a lot of companies. Buying companies is easy. Merging companies is hard. And I think that's an area where people don't realize they need help, but most do. It might be one of the hardest things to not screw up is when you've done an acquisition. So those are sort of the things that I dabble in, in addition to sort of my core industry work. I love that. Okay, so I'm going to put you a little bit
0: on the spot as we wrap up here because I want people to get a sense of what you love to talk about, of what you think about when nobody else is in the room, and really (laughs) a sense of how approachable you are and how much you're geared toward helping this industry, which is why I wanted to have you on. I'm always in this podcast trying to pull the curtain back a little bit and say, look, see, it's just a gal. It's just a guy. Like we're all working at it together. So kind of tell me a little bit about Eileen Campbell. We get trapped in a room together, you and me. (laughs) What (laughs) are you going to force me to talk about? How are you going to challenge me? How are you going to frame the questions? And what is it that you kind
1: of can't help but do? I'm always thinking about sort of the industry and where it's going. And I've always said I never want to repeat myself. I never want to do the same gig over again. So when I decided to step away from being a CEO of a big company, I had no interest in ever again being the CEO of a big company because I've been there, I've done that. It was fantastic. I loved every minute of it. But I guess if I reflect on all the things I think about, at the heart of what makes me tick and what I think makes our industry tick is people. And, you know, I spent a lot of years at Millward Brown where I was super proud of the work that we did, but I don't want chiseled in my tombstone. She's the reason there were funny commercials. I want it to be that some kid who came to work for us right out of university who didn't know how they were going to pay off their student loans or put their kids through school or buy their first home. What could I do? What could our industry do to help those people thrive? What could we do to create real community inside our companies? You know, If I think about some of the really talented people who I know were getting headhunted all the time, part of why they chose not to go was the communities that we were able to build among our coworkers and our colleagues. And it wasn't that they wanted to work for the company so much as they wanted to work with each other. And so I think the professional is the personal and the personal is the professional. Obviously, there are lines. We have our lives outside of work. But if you think about where you spend your waking hours, you spend probably more waking hours with your colleagues than you do with your family. It makes me a little nervous. Like, I love the flexibility. And I think it's super important that remote work is a part of our life now. But I do worry. If I think about things that I worry about, I worry about community. I worry about young women's careers sometimes that If the guys are in the office and the gals aren't, they will benefit from the visibility. So I think that I mean, my husband calls me an inveterate warrior. I worry about everything. But mostly my thoughts go back to the people. Are we bringing the right people to the table? Are we making them feel heard, appreciated, ennobled in what they do?
0: I love that. Yeah, that's such a deep revealer of really your motivation. And I would argue that's not because you're at this place in your career now where you get to pick and choose. I don't think people become different people later on in their career. I think they're always this person. I think it's just now you have the luxury of really bringing more of that. Just your desire. Like, like if, now you do get to pick and choose and you will do it, but that's not because you didn't have that heart for those people. Or did, I think you've always operated that way in every instance that you could. And now you just have more opportunity to overtly yeah. that person. And so wonderful to see it come to life. I think we're all benefiting from it. I know that I feel very free to be able to come and ask you a question about what's going on in this industry. And what do you Anytime. think? Anytime. Honey, I'm just going to tell people this about the approachability of Eileen. Often I'll ask Eileen a question and she'll turn around and ask me a question, what I think about it. <laughs> and <laughs> I find that so great because you're very open to, well, this is what I think These are my experiences, but I feel like you've experienced enough and you're humble enough to be able to say, well, let's think about it differently. Could it be different? And to me, I just have such huge respect for professionals who approach business that way. So that's why I say you're a little bit part inspiration and part aspiration.
1: (laughs) That's very sweet. It's an industry that's been super good to me in my life. And I hope it's one that's allowed me to help other people launch their careers and contribute and give back in their own ways. So, I hope that will be a part of my career forever.
0: Yeah, for sure. Well, you can hear from this, you need to connect with Eileen Campbell. It's spelled exactly like you think it should be spelled. E I L E like soup. Exactly, just like the soup. C A M P B E L L. So, please connect with her on LinkedIn and if you're feeling right Yeah, but I can't ask her a question. Sure you can. I just Absolutely asking her my questions, and you certainly can. And this is what makes this industry great. Eileen, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks so much. From all of the peeps here at Little Bird Marketing, have a great day and happy marketing.